Well, happy Easter City Light Church. Good morning. Good to see your faces. Let me see if this will work for me. Uh, I think there might be some church folks in here. He is risen. Amen. All right. Yeah. So what a great morning that we get to celebrate that reality, right? We get to celebrate that Jesus really did raise from the grave. It's the most important moment in all of history that the king of the universe, Jesus himself, the son of God, raised from the grave. And so, man, if you have a Bible, I hope that you do open it up to Luke chapter 23. Uh, we're going to be in that chapter and chapter 24, but we'll start out in verse 44 in chapter 23. Uh, we live in a day and age where the platform for storytelling is very diverse, right? Like we have movies, we have blogs, we have books, we have TV shows, we have uh, other media outlets, podcasts, blogs, whatever there might be, but you can get a story told in so many different ways in today. But one of my favorites is movies. I love movies. I cry in movies. I laugh at movies. I get caught up in the action and want to go rage somewhere in the action movies. I get so brought into the story whenever I watch movies. So like I'm, I get so brought into it that I feel the adrenaline rush, the fear, the sadness, or whatever the characters experience, I get just brought into the story with them. And so with my love of movies, uh, I've actually invited my kids into that too. I've welcomed them into the love of movies. And so uh, some months ago, we started doing uh, a tradition uh, uh, called uh, basically Saturday morning waffles. So dad would get up in the morning, I make waffles for everybody. But then we were like, hey, you know what we should add to this? Movies. So we decided, hey, let's, let's start watching movies. And so we started a, the Harry Potter series. We're still in the midst of that right now. We got some Harry Potter fans. Some of you don't like that, and that's okay. Uh, th but anyway, in those movies, there's so many characters, so many moving parts that, man, there's someone for everyone to draw yourself into those stories. And so we all get kind of drawn into it, but I think the person that gets the most drawn into it is our little three-year-old Misha. Misha, if you know her, knows she's a character in and of herself, but nonetheless, she has a constant stream of consciousness throughout the entire movie. Like, there's, it's a, just a drawing out of commentary going on throughout the entire thing. I mean, she's, she's getting so bought into it that she's like, oh, no. And then in the next moment, she's like, you better run. Get down there. Go. And then, like, just to make sure that everybody else is on the same page, she's like, did you just see that snake? And I'm like, yes, we saw that. Like, we're watching the same movie. But, like, she gets so drawn into it. And I think we can relate to that, right? Like, none Nonetheless, we can relate to her how we get drawn into a story. And today we are celebrating a story that really happened. 2,000 years ago, people from all over the world are gathered to celebrate this one event. The God of the universe came in flesh, dwelt among us as both fully God and fully man. He lived the life that none of us could live. He died the death that we all deserve and then raised from the grave. Like Jesus resurrected from the dead. And I would gather that most of us have heard that story. Heck, I, I would say that's partly the reason why you're even here today is because you've heard that story before. And we, we need to be retold this story and, and to get drawn back into the reality of it. To, to see the beauty again and be reminded that this is not only true, but it is a real thing that Jesus is king and he really did raise from the grave. And so in order to do that today, what I want us to do is actually take one look and walk with one particular person, character in particular, and that's Jesus' disciple, Mary Magdalene. Now, she, she was one of Jesus' disciples, and, and she is a witness of all of the experiences that carried out in that crazy, victorious, and also dreadful 
weekend when Jesus died and rose from the grave. And so Mary's first introduction with Jesus is kind of brief, actually. It's in uh, Luke chapter 8, 1 through 2. It says this. Uh, Soon afterward, he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. And also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. So Mary's intro into Jesus' life and Jesus into her story is him casting out seven demons. Now, it's all, if it's not bad enough to have one demon in you, to have seven in them, this girl had to have a pretty messed up life, right? Like life was not good for her at the time. Jesus enters into their story, casts the demons out, and then she faithfully walks with him throughout the rest of his ministry and the rest of his life. And she seems to show up in all of these key moments of Jesus' life and ministry. So with that in mind, we're going to look at the last moments, the weekend by which Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection happened through the eyes of Mary Magdalene. Pick it up with me uh, in uh, Luke 23, 44. This is the shock of Friday. Um, It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed and the curtain of the temple was torn into two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last breath. Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowd that assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had happened and taken place, returned home, beating their breasts. Now this is, this is the, 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 the shock of Friday. And this is the darkest moment in all of history, right? All of human history is marked by this dark moment. So, so much so that, that the whole earth or the area that, by which this happened turned dark. Like the text says that the sun's light failed. Now picture this. You have Mary who, surra- who was surrounded by people who once said that they followed Jesus, now chanting, crucify him, crucify him. She, she's, she's watching as Jesus surrender his life over to be beaten, mocked, and spit on. And beaten so badly that he was, it was beyond recognition and he was at the inch of his life. And then she began to weep and see Jesus, her Lord, the man who she served and followed and worshipped, being forced to carry up his cross up a hill. And, and up that hill was the top of that hill where he was bringing the cross was the place of his execution. And so she would watch as he gets hung, nails and nails the cross put into place, and her king breathes his last breath, and he's now dead. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if, if putting yourself in Mary's shoes, seeing this happen? She loved Jesus more than anyone else. Like, he saved her. He, he freed her from the possession of demons. He, he gave her a community to be a part of. He treated her, no doubt, better than every, any man that she has ever met in her life. Jesus was her savior, her king, and now he's dead. The Jesus who fed 10,000 people with just a few loaves and fishes. The Jesus who healed people who were both blind and lame. They were born with those infirmities and he healed them. The same Jesus who raised Lazarus from the dead after several days of being dead, right before her eyes, she is watching him surrender his life over and basically facing the fate of mere mortals. If I'm her, I'm thinking in my head, like, if you could raise the dead and heal the sick, then why do you have to die? 
Like, how could you let this happen, Jesus? How could you let it go down this way? You were supposed to save us. You were supposed to here to conquer the day and remove all of our pain and oppression, and yet you're dead. Mary just saw the greatest disappointment of her life, the shock of Friday. The long-awaited Savior of the world didn't save himself but, and didn't defend himself at all. Instead, he, he allowed them to take nails and put them in his arm. He, he took the guilty plea and committed no crime himself. He surrendered his life to the Father. You see, th- she's experiencing the murder of the Savior of the world. This, this isn't supposed to happen this way from her viewpoint. Why would he do this? Why would he come and make such a mockery of things? He come and speak so boldly and heal people, do all these miraculous things, all for it to end in his death. Well, because there's no other way. Like when we look out into the world, we know full well that there's something wrong with it, right? Like you look in the news, all you have to do is flip it on today, this morning. You know there's something wrong in the world. Something has to be done. And here's the catch, though. That wrong thing is you and me. Our sin, our sin is what causes what's wrong. You see, the the sin that we're talking about, these wrong things aren't just outside the church. They're actually right here in it. We all sin and we all fall short of God's holy standard. And we can't save ourselves from it. He did it willingly and took the guilty verdict. He faced the wrath of God all on our behalf. We are the guilty ones. We deserve the nails in our hands. We deserve what Jesus got. We're the ones that ought to be under the wrath of God. But the beginning of the good news is that Jesus took the wrath and the execution that we deserve. That's the beginning. And Mary is literally watching her Savior take her own punishment. She's watching him, watching her sin kill the one who came for her. The one who said that I am the way, the truth, and the life is now losing his life. You see, most of us know the end of the story, and we want to jump to that real quick, right? But can I challenge you, in this moment, let it sink in. If you're with Mary right now, let it sink in that the sin in your life is what drove the nails through his wrist. Let it sink in that your sin and mine led for the perfect God-man to be beaten, spit on, and mocked. And let it sink in that the wrath of God and the execution of that God-man was because of you and me. He took what we deserved. See, Jesus chose to not save himself, but instead die for others, to save you and me. You see, the the worker of the impossible allowed death to take him. That was the shock of Friday. The, The funeral of the Son of God was the shock of Friday. But what else happened that weekend? Look with me in Luke 23, 54. It was the day of preparation, and the Sabbath was beginning. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments on the Sabbath. They rested according to the commandment. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. So we're now looking at the sadness of Saturday, the sadness of Saturday. So Jesus, 
or sorry, sorry, Mary, after seeing Jesus in the tomb, his body laying in there, goes home and observes the Sabbath. Now, th- this was a common thing. This was normal for her. She was a Jewish woman, so of course, she would go observe the Sabbath. And, and it began basically uh, at, at sundown on Friday and lasted about 25 hours until nightfall of Saturday. So Friday to Saturday, 25 hours. And, and the whole point of this was to observe three things. The first was God in creation created the earth and everything in it and the whole universe in six days and rested on the seventh. They were observing the reality of God's rest. Then the second thing was they they were honoring and celebrating the fact that God had freed them some thousand years ago, thousands of years before that, freed them from the slavery of, of Egypt. You see, Egypt had enslaved them for 400 years, and God had, get, had, had them walk on dry land. Remember the parting of the Red Sea? That's, that, they were supposed to honor that on the Sabbath. And then the last thing, the, the most beautiful thing, is, is that they wanted to also get a foretaste of the coming reign of the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Those are the three things. God's creation and rest, the exodus or the freedom from slavery, and then the Messiah's reign overall. But the question is, how can Mary do that? How could she observe the Sabbath, enjoy God in the midst of this? How could she enjoy all of that when the Son of God is dead? The worst Sabbath ever, right? Like, that had to be a horrible moment. And the reign of the Messiah is now over from what she can see. She's in her home thinking about God and his plan and thinking in her mind that it didn't work out. And the sad, and she's saddened by the reality that all that she had her hope in, all that she had placed her faith in, all that she had put her trust in is now gone. She's left, she left everything to follow Jesus. And if she had any doubts in her mind going into it saying, well, I don't know if it really happened. I don't know if you, you really did die. Her sitting in her living room and all of the silence that goes with it, I have no doubt, started to build up that sadness for her. The silence of the Sabbath had to let the reality set into her. And the reality is that Jesus is dead. See, if you've ever experienced death of a close loved one in your life, you, you might know what she's going through in this moment. You see, th- they were there with you in these moments of life. They, you had a set rhythm with these people, and now they're gone. You no longer see them making the coffee in the morning. That phone call that you're used to getting stops coming. You go to bed at night hoping, wishing that it was just a dream. And then you wake up the next morning and you look and they're not there. You see, Mary is experiencing just that. Most likely running through the last moments and hours and months and years of what they had experienced and saying, man, how could it be? How could this have happened? Now, after 25 hours of sitting in that, observing the Sabbath, knowing that all hope is lost because she saw it, she saw him die, and she forgot what Jesus promised. It says that, they, that the, the women got up and, the, and they were taking the spices that they had prepared, which basically means that these women that were with Mary had already decided, had already took in and forgot what God promised. They, they're going to prepare a body. They weren't going to go see a long-lost friend. They were preparing a dead body. You see, their work wasn't done yet on the Sabbath, but Jesus' work was done on Friday. 
You see, what they didn't know, that this whole weekend was actually a fulfillment of the Sabbath that they were observing. You see, God, God was at work, and the, the work went into motion on Friday, but it was already done. Jesus said, it is finished. The freedom that they were supposed to get a, a, a taste of or remember in Egypt was just a foretaste of a truer and much richer freedom from a truer and much richer oppressor, namely Satan, sin, and death. And the reign of the Messiah, man, he was just getting started. It started on that Sunday morning. Look with me in verse 2 of, 20, of chapter 24. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in that, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? Man, what a question. He is not here but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. You see, we're looking at the final scene here, and we see the surprise of Sunday. The surprise of Sunday. Mary is headed over to the tomb. She's going there. She's, she's bringing the spices. She's ready to prepare the body. And she gets there. And to her surprise, not only is the, the stone rolled away, the tomb is also empty. You see, it, it, it would have taken several strong individuals just to remove the rock. So there was a surprise there. But the greater surprise is the fact that Jesus raised from the dead. So she peers in and her heart leaps. First, at least, because she thinks somebody stole that body. But then two guys in, in glowing clothing show up to them, and they say the most beautiful words on record. He ain't here. He gone. Right? Like, that's what they said. As a paraphrase of what they said. But nonetheless, they said, he gone. Uh, and they said, he is not here. He is risen. Saying, Jesus is not dead. He's alive. She just spent the last two days mourning, given into the reality that our Savior's dead. And these two angels just told her the best news of, of, of all time. Her faith is not in a dead Savior, but a living one. And then she and the women, they, they remembered what Jesus had said, it says. And they remembered what he had promised. They remembered that Jesus promised that he will return, that death couldn't hold him. So catch this. They believed that it was true, and they hadn't seen his resurrected body yet. You see that? Someone told them the reality, and then they remembered what Jesus said, and they placed their faith in that. That's, I mean, it was, it, that's all it took for them. This is important for us to, to, to hear, because if, this, if the resurrection never happened, we all go home sad today, and the story's over. So, so the question for you, then, is how about you? Do you believe that Jesus really did die and raise from the grave? Now, I'm not talking about an intellectual ascent to some facts. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I'm, I'm definitely not talking about you come to church here on one day uh, or two days a year. And I'm definitely not talking about church attendance at all, actually. I'm talking about a heart-wrenching the love of my life just died for my sins. I've mourned over that, and now he's alive kind of faith. Have you believed in that Jesus? See, that's the Jesus that Mary placed her faith in. That's the Jesus that, Je that Mary gave her entire life to. 
You see, after they saw that, they, they ran out and told a whole bunch of other people, hey, he is risen from the grave. They didn't even see him yet. And then Jesus appeared to like 500 other people, and it's the the most significant moment in human history, the most significant weekend of human history. So could this weekend today, could that have the same kind of impact on you? You see, as much as I love movies, Harry Potter is not true. It's not real. The characters are made up. uh, There's makeup. There's there's, uh, cameras and scripts. But the story of Jesus raising from the grave, that's real. This story could actually change your life. And so you need to decide for yourself, if you, if you believe that the resurrection is true, well, if that's true, then you can't ignore Jesus, right? Like you can't ignore that you've sinned against a holy God and that you need that weekend 2,000 years ago to be true. You need that to have happened, You need to believe that in your heart that that is true. Would you place your faith in that Jesus today? You see, this isn't just a reminder of some beautiful point in history. This is is a story that we get invited into that will shape the rest of your life for all of eternity. Jesus is that way. Would you place your faith in him? You see, see, like, my guess is that there, there may be a lot of us in the room that would raise a hand if I asked, hey, do you believe or have you believed that Jesus died on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins? You say, yep, I do believe that. Th- and it's true, by the way. That's good news that you believe that. That's a good thing. He did, in fact, die for our sins so that we might be forgiven. However, he also raised from the grave so that we might have life in him. So the question for you this morning is, have you experienced that life that he gives? The life that's this unimaginable grace from the Father through the Son empowered by the Holy Spirit. If not, your Jesus is still in the grave. You're still believing in a dead Savior. You're still stuck on Saturday. So let that not be true for you. I I know that, that you may have placed your faith in Jesus, and that's a good thing. But, man, your removal of sin is just the starting point. It goes deeper. There is so much more of Jesus for you to have, and it starts on Sunday, not on Saturday or Friday. You see, that faith can be this loving, beautiful, intimate relationship with God. That faith can go beyond the grave, so to speak. And so would today be the marker for you? Would today be the marker that you move beyond Saturday into the surprise of Sunday and let Jesus, not own, let Jesus be life for you and not just the death of your sin? And so the question for us all is, are we living in the surprise of Sunday? Are you living through and for a living Savior and not a dead one? Let's pray.